Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Podcast. For those new to this program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Larry O'Connor. He is host... (laughs) He is host of O'Connor and Company on WMAL 105.9 in Washington, D.C. He's a senior columnist at Town Hall, and he's host of his online streaming pro- streaming, streaming, streaming program, O'Connor it's, Tonight. It's steaming, too. On, what? on Salem News Channel. All of all of all that he does is wonderful. And you're and you're and company on O'Connor. I and am. Company, I'm one of the I'm one of the companies. Your colleague Patrice on that's, from that's right. That's right. So we usually talk very early in the morning. It's nice to see you on an afternoon. Oh, I may fall asleep as we speak. (laughs) I'm sure you're just like me right now. I have, I have iced tea. Oh, darn you. Just for the listeners, we get up very early. We are in studio at 4.30 a.m. and we're live from five to nine. So we've already talked to each other for five hours today, but we're going to do a little bit more. It is 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Yes, happy Independence Day. And I, I love like the, to say that's actually one answer to one of your questions that you might ask me about my kids. Yes, I am going to ask you about it. Well, what we're going to talk about, and we'll certainly talk about your kids, talk about my kids, um, but the subject of this podcast today is how to raise patriotic kids, which yeah. didn't seem to be a big challenge a couple years ago, but seems to increasingly be um, today. So I want to get into that. But most importantly, I want to talk, you have four kids yes, um, and you homeschooled and, you know, yeah. I hear a lot about your kids, but what is so interesting to me is one of your talk about a sign of patriotism. Your daughter just graduated, just a couple of weeks ago, graduated from the Naval Academy. She did. Yeah. She's an ensign in the Navy now. It's crazy. I'm so proud of her. Yes. I mean, I'm proud of all of my kids, obviously. But um, when you, when your kid stands up and raises her hand and swears to uh, serve and and everything that goes along with it, you know, when she was contemplating joining the Naval Academy and, and making that her college option, it's not like she didn't have other options. Usually, right. you know, kids who qualify for the Naval Academy have a lot going for them. Right. She actually got early acceptance to MIT. Oh. And yeah, and her, it's so funny. Her school counselor in South, uh, Southern California was like, well, you're going to go to MIT, right? right. My right. daughter was like, I, I'm, my heart is telling me Naval Academy. That's where I belong. I've always wanted to go there. And I kid you not, her counselor in Southern California literally said, well, that would be just such a waste. No. I know. Wow. Because I think in California, it's like they want to, you know, brag that their students sure. go to MIT and there's this note that they, they look down on the military. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you see, you know, I talked to her before she made this decision, I said, well, you know, why do you want to be in the military? Because when you, when you, <laughs> it's hard to say as a parent, when you pledge to, to be a part of the military, you are, you are putting yourself in a position where you might have to give your life mm-hmm. for this country. And, um, and she said, yeah, it's, I, I, I love this country and I love the idea of that, that sense of duty and um, putting myself in that position, um, considering what, um, you know, what the country has given back to me. It's like, who the hell raised you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Well, it's amazing. You know, I, mean, I want to I talk a little bit about how they were raised. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I kind of, I think there's certain things you can do with your children to ensure they have love of country and yeah. they have a, a really healthy understanding of history. And that is homeschooling. And you homeschooled. I know that um, you've interviewed with Heather Hunter, who's my colleague at IWN. She's also a producer for our show, o- yes. o- O'Connor Company. Very incestuous. We're all connected, right? And um, family. It's but, a holiday, so we I, can be family. Yeah, exactly. But I do suggest people look up that. That was a great podcast that Heather did with you. And she talked in depth about your home homeschooling, but I want to find out, and I've seen, it's funny, I've seen little videos of Veronica and her sister doing like a Thanksgiving play. And um, it seemed like that was sort of a large part of their homeschooling experience is really explaining to them why America is great. And so tell me a little bit about how you did that. Well, it's funny because when I said happy independent, I mean, one of the things that we did very early on was we said, we're not going to refer to it as the 4th of July, because that just sounds like a date. It's like, Christians don't celebrate, hey, happy December 25th. Right. <laughs> right? Like, no, this is not the 4th of July. We're not celebrating just a day in the calendar. We're said this day has meaning. Yeah. And so my kids from the, the get-go knew it was Independence Day. So what does that mean? That word is so important to our nation, isn't it? Independence. I mean, it. and, and we, so early on in our homeschool curriculum, we dove into that. What does that independence mean? Um, and we, we very much were into meanings. It's like, like, it's not just Memorial Day. This means something. And, and we very early, you know, our family, my family, my family does not have a huge history of uh, service. My, my father's brothers served, but that was like Korean War era. And it seems so far away, you know. Um, but um, despite the fact that our, you know, none of my brothers or sisters served in the military, we instilled in our kids deep respect for people who wore the uniform. Um, they were all born. My, my oldest was born in 1999. My daughter, Veronica, who is actually uh, the, the one who is now in the Navy, she was born a month before 9-11. Oh. I was holding her in my arms that morning as I mm-hmm. saw the towers falling. So, we very much raised our kids in a a very fresh from nine eleven era. Yes, um, and that patriotism and that love of our country and recognizing that there is an existential threat of enemies to this nation. That was a big part of their childhood. Even if we, it's funny, we didn't actually tell them about what happened on September eleventh until we felt they were old enough, right? When they were eight or nine, right. <laughs> because I didn't want them afraid to go on an airplane and things like that. But but because that was the era of, like fre- in the Bush presidency, fresh off the attacks of 9-11, we it was very important to us to to instill in our kids respect for the military. When we saw someone in uniform at an airport or wherever we were, we would go out of our way to thank them for their service. We you know, it, and, and it's just little things like that. It's not like you have to do a whole curriculum, right. but you model for your children what's important and what we value. Yeah like service, like the military and love of our nation and respect for the flag. And they pick up on it. They pick up on it really quickly. You don't have to be too heavy handed about it. Um, That, and I know you're going to laugh at me and make fun of me. Probably. Yes. But, you know, my background is um, in the theater before the radio. I was a manager in the professional Broadway theater. And I really, I mean, I've learned a ton of, I've learned a lot from theater. Think about it back in the, 
Greek days and the early oh. day. I mean, theater is how we would teach history. Yeah. In Western civilization, from the yeah. Greek to the Romans to the to the Elizabethan times through Shakespeare. I mean, how many of us know history because of William Shakespeare's plays, right? Right. right. I'm really over-rationalizing this, but there is a musical called 1776. <laughs> I've heard of it. It's a musical about the founding fathers. Yes. And it might not be 100% historically accurate, but... <laughs> But we, it's a good show, and I, it became a tradition on 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 Independence Day that our kids would watch it. Really, and they all learned it, and they learned about the founding, and they learned about the Declaration, and they learned about the importance of Independence Day through that musical. That's great, though. I'm so embarrassed. No, no, no. That's great, <laughs> and and I think parents need to to look for interesting ways that capture children that capture their imaginations yeah. not always don't hand him a look i'm sure my son would find uh, if you handed him a constitution he'd be fine reading it and find it fascinating but you know some uh, my other two wouldn't so you have to be flexible that way but you know larry i i, I think one right here i have you, i have these around all the time that's too good. that's awesome um my son actually did he always had has one with him and and one moment in class he actually uh gave the constitution to the teacher that because the teacher was trying to remember a particular article and it was Lies. he says it was one of his be- best it's moments awesome he was so, moment. it really excuse was. me ms jones <laughs> i have the constitution right here i and believe it you're looking for article five and it was and he goes to such a great school it's a classical school and it's filled with these kids that are they actually they thought it was so cool That's so it's awesome. it's nice because some in some school environment actually it yeah. says right here <laughs> It wasn't like that. He was. You've really raised good that kid. Him. Yes, I've raised that kid. But he's so sweet, and he didn't do it in sort of any kind of smug way. He was just like, "Oh, I actually have one," oh, and know. everyone I was like, um, "But you know, I, I knew think- this would come in handy one day." <laughs> I know. Um, it's a chick magnet, actually, in his school because oh, really smart yeah. kids. Um, but you know, I want to hey, talk about are you. The you kid have- who has the constitution. <laughs> Show me your bill of rights. Oh God, I uh, I want to talk to you though. I think you have. What do you have? I was going to make a bearing arms joke, but yes, I, I know. Right, Were you? Do you have? I can't get this right. You must have young millennials or older millennials and a young Gen Zer. But you have both millennials and Gen Zers, right? My kids? Your no, kids. they're all Gen Z. Are my they all Gen Z? Is, my oldest is twenty three. That's okay. Yes, right? definitely. No, okay. Excuse me. I'm married to a millennial. Thanks Aren't for you? mixing up my wife with one of my <laughs> oldest children, Julie. I appreciate that. She's a little younger than me. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, as a Gen X, I am. I am like you. Yes. You and um, I let's talk a little bit about that generation um, because recently Cato came out with this study. I thought this was fascinating. A third of Gen Zers are in favor of government installing cameras, surveillance cameras in a home in order because they say it'll reduce abuse or crimes. So they're fully in favor of this. And then a majority of Gen Z hold negative views of capitalism. Full 38% have positive uh, views of socialism. Yeah. Tell, I, I think you and I both have thoughts on why this is. What the hell is going on, right? What the heck? Why is it, Larry? I have very strong feelings about this. Um, You know, recently, just within the last couple of weeks, a certain retired member of Congress, a very high-ranking member of congressional leadership, 
um, was sort of bragging in an interview on network television about how he's not a culture guy. You know, he just wants to he wants to worry about taxation and spending and the debt and the threat of China. And I know who you're talking about. I'm not naming names. Can't recall it right now. It's but Paul um, Ryan. <laughs> but to me, that's the problem is this, this whole culture. I'm not I don't I don't want to dabble in the culture. I know right now culture issues have to do with transgender ideology and curriculum and critical race CRT, theory, perhaps, yeah. and other issues like that. But you know what? On this guy's watch over the last 20 years, when he really did represent conservative principles and and he's our generation Julie, we all we all we're all Reagan youth here. We all yep. were inspired by Ronald Reagan and yep. rightly so. Um, while he focused, didn't ignored the culture because he's not a culture guy, and focused on spending and debt and things that are, are arguably very important. Social Security, Medicaid, entitlements; these sure, things are very important, important stuff. And you try to make reforms, and they say you're going to throw grandma off a cliff in a wheelchair. And, and maybe so that, that is a, mark. maybe maybe the idea that any touching of Social Security and Medicare and all these entitlements maybe that's also a cultural issue. Yeah, we should, should t- teach kids that look. We've got to reform these things. It's, we don't want people to starve. Maybe that's yeah. a cultural issue too. But while just focusing on that stuff, you sort of take your eye off something that, I mean, and, and again, God bless the guy. I want to live in Paul Ryan's America. I do. <laughs> I want to go back to a time when Democrats and Republicans both thought this was the greatest country on the planet. Right. I'd love to go back to a time when both Republicans and Democrats can agree on basic issues of freedom and independence and all of those things that are in the Constitution. Yes. Yes. Fourth Amendment and right to privacy and uh, the fact that the government is not always your friend when it comes to search and seizure and all that stuff. The reason Gen Z now believes those things that you just said in that Cato poll is because the leaders of the conservative movement, our era, our generation, they walked away from things like, you know, school board attendance and uh, running for school board office and making sure that the curriculum is free of all of the agendas that have been infiltrated in there. The reason that Gen Z believes that capitalism is is a problematic idea is because conservatives walked away from thinking that, you know, socialism would never be put into the mainstream of the public schools in our country. And look where we are yeah. because we took our eye off the ball. And now we have to go back and fight and say, well, wait a minute, you're teaching our kids socialism in government run schools. That's why kids believe that it's because they've been taught it. Yeah. And because sadly we conservatives, we got complacent and we thought, oh, well, we won the Cold War. We tore down the Iron Curtain, never knowing that they were going to start teaching communism in our own schools. That's so right. we got to get back in the game. And if that's a culture war, guilty i'm ready to fight it what also you know i feel like we deservedly so blame schools for a lot of where we see gen z and also a lot of millennials this appreciation of socialism this idea that surveillance is good that government is good that the government should really tell you what to do because they know better yeah but you know i gotta say larry parents deserve a lot of uh blame too. And I am, I am one of these parents who got angry during COVID. I am one of these angry parents that DOJ has probably got a file on. And I am one of these parents who is really, really angry. But when I look at how, when I became a parent um, and look back at how my, when my mom was parenting, the explosion of these services that are provided in the school, 
Okay. So yeah. I can, I can drop my kid off at 6 a.m. and they get breakfast and then there's aftercare and there's all these enrichment programs. There are wellness centers that can give kids birth control and, and, and STD screenings. Um, of course, you can't get an aspirin without calling mom, but you can get all this other stuff. You can get, you know, sent over for your testosterone. Yeah. You can get sent over for your testosterone shot, but you can't get a Band-Aid. So, but anyway, the point is, is that I feel like parents have seeded a lot of what was basic parental responsibility to the government. Yeah. And then kids grow up in this environment where they were dropped off at school at 6 a.m. and picked up at 6 p.m., hardly spending time with parents. And the parents are now are like, get on your screen so I don't have to deal with you. I know that I'm going on and on. No, you're but not wrong, though. Tell me, tell me what role parents have in this. The, listen, I, you're right. Parents ultimately are responsible for their children, um, despite what you know, your local school system might say, or your democratic leadership these days, actually, oh, they're all our children. They're not your children. They're our children, right? Yeah. Um, We are responsible, but honestly, I mean, I, 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 I throw a little bit of grace that the parents ways for a, a little bit, only because promises were made. Promises were made that, listen, this is, this is the public school system. And we're going to, you know, we got all this funding and we're going to do this curriculum. We're going to, it's like, Parents were told, number one, that um, their kids will be taken care of. And, and we didn't think we that who would have believed that public schools, government run schools would get so awful so fast. Yeah. Not yeah. just social. I mean, socialism, please. That's, you know, the and climate ideology. I mean, God, I, I yearn for the days that that's the only thing we have to worry <laughs> right. about from the government right. schools. Number one. And, and also, number two, listen, we we parents were very much taken in by the idea of of the consumerism in our society that you know you we get dual income absolutely that means more money and that means more things and more stuff and bigger house and you know better lawn and better car and better vacations and all of that stuff and um you know the parents who made other decisions and there was only one income and um they didn't go on the fancy vacations every year and they didn't have the fancy car um, but they were raising their kids different, you know, and in the long run, I think they're probably happier. If I had to do it all over again, I might have made different decisions, I'll be honest. But um, that, that's one of the reasons why we decided to homeschool our kids um, and why, you know, I made sacrifices with my job so that I could stay home. And no, I didn't have as much money necessarily when they were littler and I, I made those decisions. But it was because raising them at home and teaching them and being a part of their early years was a, was a priority. It's not... It, we, we haven't embraced that as a priority for our kids necessarily. Yeah. And, um, and, but, but I, and I think that the pendulum swinging back the other way. I, I agree. We're seeing that now. So let's, let me wrap this up by asking this last question and, and any other thoughts that you want to add to this, but you know, there are, you kind of touched on this. There are some more vulnerable parents who are not able to homeschool their kids or they're not able to send their kids to a private school of their choice. I send my kids to classical schools. They tend to be much more conservative and they definitely teach love of country. Um, what advice would you give parents who might be sort of stuck in their government assigned school? Um, maybe they don't have a lot of time to... Yeah to supplement, but what, what can they do? What little things can they do? I, I would re-examine if that's really the case, especially now that we live in an age where um, the, the threshold to being able to work remote has lowered quite a bit. Um, the, the cost of working from home, or at least one parent working from home um, has 
because of high speed internet, because of video interaction and things, I think that I, I think you need to really reexamine it and reexamine whether it really is the case that a combination of one parent working from home and being able to carve out time throughout that day to be able to do a curriculum with your children. Uh, in addition to the other parent who may not be working from home full time, but when they come home, they can then, instead of having a beer and watching TV, they can then engage in half of or at least a third of the school yeah. curriculum. I mean, you know, I worked from home when I was homeschooling my kids, but um, but their mom and I made a deal because I didn't uh, I wasn't working from home doesn't mean that you're not work you know you, your focus is your job you know a good portion of that time so it's not like you're just you know doing arts and crafts with with the kids the whole time um but i was responsible for uh history i was responsible for uh religion and i was responsible for english right and uh my kids mom my ex-wife now was responsible for math thank god it wasn't me uh, oh, in yeah. science, science. Yeah. um, and, uh, like arts and crafts and, and, and so more of the hands-on sort of that kind of thing. But I love, I love the fact that I taught my kids how to read. I love the fact that I was able to read stories with them and I could teach them how to write and I could teach them punctuation. That's my strength. Um, in history, I mean, God, I, history, teaching them world history and American history is basically just storytelling. You sit and you read a story to them or you read it with them because they're reading along. And then there's quizzes and you ask questions and you do projects related to history. And how great is that? Um, yeah, I, you know, then the 18 months that I homeschooled, I so enjoyed learning along with my son. Yeah. Things that, first of all, I was not taught in my public school in the middle of Illinois, but um so I learned a lot. Oh, I learned about, a ton when I was. Oh teaching my gosh, that it's great. You know, I just want to quickly. But 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 real fast, I just want to. Yeah. I, I mean, just if I could, because I know I know it sounds easy, but or I I know it sounds like I'm making it sound easy, but if it really is a priority for you, you'd be surprised how moving to a different part of the country where it's a little bit cheaper. It's not even that far away from where you are right now, where I know it seems really expensive. But about an hour away from you, there's a much less expensive place to live. And you're in the same general vicinity, but suddenly you've got new opportunities because you're not spending so much on your home. And you'd be surprised if you make this your priority, if you make this your mission, how things start to fall into place a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. I, and if it isn't the opportunity for you, I get it. And I'm sorry if I'm making it sound easier than it is. You, but for some of you out there listening... It actually is kind of easy if you if you take the time and make it your mission. You are addressing the financial concerns that people have, which are are legion and 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 yeah. understandable. Yeah. But also there is the time issue. What I think people don't understand yeah. is Jack and I would start at ten, we'd be done by one thirty or two. Yeah, um, because we would pack it in. That's right. And then he would go off and read a book or do it. And then I could do work. So just tell me quickly. And I know it's different. It's like, cause I was, I was um, at the time teaching an, a middle schooler, but uh -huh. my goodness, when they're really little, it's, yeah. it's even easier. So it is. it's not a huge time. I don't think people understand. You are not going to be sitting there for eight hours. Kindergarten curriculum with my oldest was 45 minutes a day, four days a week. And, and in teaching her how to read in kindergarten, my then three-year-old learned how to read just through osmosis from being in the room. 
And and you teach your kid to read when they're three. The next thing you know, they're graduating from the Naval Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and they got into uh, early and in early MIT. acceptance to MIT. And yeah. and literally, I mean, before you know it, because that twenty years went by real fast. Yeah. Larry, you're so great. And this you're is so, so great. You're great. You're greater. You're best. You're the best. And you are great for this country too. You know, Larry, you do a lot of work in the morning to, you know, that's the motto of the news station is to make sense of the news and not a lot makes sense right now. Um, I feel like not a lot, especially yeah. on the culture front. So thanks for all you do. Cause I think that you have a very strong love of country and that shines through on the show and everything you do at town hall, the Salem um, and on the radio. So, well, I'll tell you the resources and the support and the, um, the knowledge that I glean from all the work that independent women's forum has done. And, and honestly, the, the, the um, infrastructure that you guys have created to be able to help people make sense of a very nonsensical world around us has been so invaluable. And I am forever in debt to independent women's forum and the um, incredible energy that I get from, from all you guys. And also just from the members of the independent women's network out there who are just fighting these battles in their neighborhoods. And they let us know on social media and through various ways, how they are the tip of the spear. And it's just um, so gratifying to know that, listen, we got a, we got a lot in front of us and we're fighting it, but we're not fighting it alone. We're fighting it together. And, uh, and with a smile on our face, I mean, you guys are the epitome of happy warriors and yeah. that's my kind of people. So yeah. thank you for everything you guys have done. And thanks for including me in this very special day. Well, this independence yes. day. Yes. Independence day. I will never say, I can't believe I started. I, I Oh no, you should. I love life. shaming people with that. Yes, no, exactly. I get it. It's a good shorthand, but let's yeah. not, forget exactly. the, the reason yes. for the season my yes, friends the uh, well listen thanks again for coming on i hope you'll come back I we will. all love you Please we're all me. big fans of larry o'connor at iwf oh, so thank you and I'm all, right. all right all right Bye. the bespoke parenting podcast with julie gunlock is a production of the independent women's forum you can send comments and questions to julie.gunlock at iwf.org Please help me out by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment or review on Apple Podcast, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or IWF.org. Uh, hang in there, parents, and go bespoke.